Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight from the show, become a Coast Insider and you can listen to the complete program, plus recent episodes about out-of-body experiences, the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, and biblical prophecies, which may have foretold our current state of global turmoil. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to catch up on what you may have missed from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Now, in your book, Journey to the Afterlife, and we're with Christy Robinette here talking about her latest work, you have mentioned, of course, the uh, in-between, the purgatory state, you know, between heaven or purgatory. Tell me a little bit about that. I know raised as a Catholic, we always talked about purgatory as limbo, just as a place, a holding place where you would go when they weren't quite sure if you were going to go to heaven or hell, you were kind of like in a holding pattern. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it depended on how many confessions you did and, and Hail Marys and exactly. all of that, right? And if you um, didn't go, you were doomed, right? Oh, I know. And it still is so so pivotal today. I still have clients who feel so guilty for all of the little you know intricacies of of theology. Um, By the way, I, I had a I had a friend. I'll come back to this question, but I got to tell you this quick story. I had a friend when I was just a kid who was a Protestant, and I was raised a Catholic. And you know, and I would ask his name was Reggie, and I said, Reggie, when you sin, do you go like go? Do you don't have a priest or something in, in, in where you go? And he went, No, we don't do that. Right. We just you know we just you know ask for forgiveness to ourselves. And I said, Why do I have to go to a priest? And tell him everything I did wrong and, you know, get him to forgive me and say all these prayers and stuff. So I went home and I asked my mother that. I said, Mom, I said, I don't get this. Why why do I have to go to a priest and confess sins? And Reggie doesn't. And he still can get to heaven. And uh, <laughs> it's an interesting take. But that, that was, that's my interesting little story. How do you look at purgatory and heaven and hell? I, I I was raised Lutheran, so I was raised that there wasn't a purgatory. It was black and white. You know, you either went to one or you went to the other. But in my experiences of sensing and seeing and communicating with spirit, I found out that there is this in-between. And some people call them the left behind. Some people believe that they're the ghosts that wander and, and that's their purgatory. Some call it a spiritual jail. Um, I often see it as a healing room. I see it as those that are still trying to release the residue of their sin. And the the sin can be, you know, so tiny. Like, I stole a candy bar when I was five years old. Or, you know, <laughs> I cheated on my, my wife, and, I, and I've asked for forgiveness, but I haven't forgiven myself. And so I've seen these in-betweens. And we saw it on the show, on the popular show Ghost Whisperer, with those that hadn't crossed over yet, you know, and there was still this unresolved, you know, element that needed to play out. And so purgatory, the way that I see it, is all of the regrets in life that are staying firmly planted and they're not allowing that free will of, you know, going going to so-called receive your judgment, you know, on the other side. A lot of times we think, of purgatory with those who've committed suicide. And it's not a hard and a fast rule that those that commit suicide go to hell, and it's not a fast rule that they that they do this 
this purgatory, but I have seen that they have to experience, um, you know, that, that guilt, and they have to release a lot of that guilt that stays stagnated there. John, John Zaffis works a lot on haunted objects. You have take the, you've taken a look at that in Journey to the Afterlife. I, I love Johnny. He's he's uh, a very sweet. I do a lot of paracons where oh, he's great. where he's there. I sat at a table next to him, and I was so intense. I was so agitated, like like a, a bear in a cage. I, it was a terrible. And I'm like, Johnny, what do you have under your table? And he's like, absolutely nothing. I'm like, no, you've got something under your table because I could not even sit there. And it ended up he had one of his crazy haunted dolls under there. Um, but, yeah, we moved into this new house. It's an old farmhouse. And one of the things my husband, he's very nostalgic, and he loves the old potato chip cans. So we had gone to an antique market, and they had a new era. So does he collect them? He collects them? He, he does. And he, and he uses them. He puts his trinkets in it or bird seed in it or, you know, no, nothing. He, he's not really treating them well, if you will. They just remind him of his childhood. And <laughs> so we went to this antique market, and he saw one that looked just like his grandparents had kept in their breezeway. And he's like, I really love that, but I, I don't love bringing, bringing antiques home. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So he ended up bringing it home, and it ended up being haunted. And it wasn't necessarily the potato chip can, and I tell the story in Journey, but it was more the story that went with the potato chip can. And um, I'm still actually working on this as a case because it ended up being a murder case that oh, is still sort of in this black and white area, or in this gray area. It's not as black and white, and it deals with the mob and this this lady, this young lady and her son, she was trying to get out of this horrible mobster UAW type of a marriage. She was a very big wig in the beginning of the UAW, and she was saving her money in this potato chip can. And um, unfortunately, the husband found it and found what she was doing and murdered her and the son. Jeez. And um, it, it became a cold case. And it became my case when my husband brought home a haunted potato chip can. You have to uh, mention to your husband about Charles Chips, which uh, used to uh, deliver in the Detroit area, where you're familiar with, I think. Yes. And uh, they uh, they had their chips in a can, so maybe he's got one of those somewhere. I will ask him. I'm not sure what he has. He has his whole room of collectibles. That's funny. So, you know, when when you started doing this kind of work, uh, you're considered a sensitive, right? Correct. You have dealt with the death of children. That's got to be kind of rough. That's the hardest thing that I've, I I think that this, um, this, I don't like calling it a job, and I don't like calling it a gift, but that, that this, you know, being that sensitive I've ever had to deal with is dealing with the, the parents, that are dealing with the death of a child. It's not easy, is it? It probably one of the most horrific. Well, everyone has a horrific story to it. But I was working on a police case of a child. She was three years old, and she was stolen from her living room. She was sleeping in her living room, and in the dead of night, someone came in and stole her, and they found her not far 
uh, dead in a creek and just horrific things had happened to this toddler. And she had come to me in spirit and in, in the toddler way had expressed that she had been murdered and had given me like a toddler things that, you know, would hopefully make sense, but it was done in a three-year-old communication and I became very close to the detective on the case. And I can still remember the detective and I standing over this young girl's grave just sobbing. We had bonded on this case that nobody else nobody else would, have, would ever understand. And we still are very close. He retired soon after the resolution of, of her murder. And it had been, um, it ha- had been like a lynch mob for the police. Uh, it had been very difficult for me because I had little ones at the time as well. And it creates a lot of anxiety over knowing that a life can be snuffed out in a, in a moment. And then the other side of that, those on the other side, the kids on the other side are so close to God and so close to God light that they don't hold the regrets and the resentments like we do as adults. And it's so and it's going to make me cry. It's so rewarding and it's so beautiful to see the transition of a child on the other side because as much as we grieve them, they are in in such an amazing space and a place to help us with our healing work that I think that it's the child um, who have passed on. It's those children who have taught me the most about death. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.